1: With two members abstaining from the vote and a member registering a no-vote, the results of the voting show the gentleman from the 1st District of Taguig City, Pateros, the Hon. Alan Peter Campaneras Cayetano, garnered 266 votes. The gentleman from Manila, the Hon. Benito Abante, garnered 28 votes. With 266 votes, the Chair declares the gentleman from the 1st District of Taguig City, Pateros, The Honorable Alan Peter Capanero S. Cayetano as the newly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. The 18th Congress has convened and leading the lower chamber is the newly elected House Speaker, Tagig Representative Alan Peter Cayetano. This has become the norm in Philippine politics. The President enjoys the support of the lower House of Congress and the House Speaker is almost always an ally of the President. We have seen this in past administrations, but what does this really say about our democracy? Ako po si Robbie Alampay.
2: po si Attorney Ted former Supreme Court spokesperson and now back teaching law at the University of the Philippines, Ateneo de Manila, and De La Salle University.
1: And this is Ted Talks, where Ted Te talks about all things law and government. In this episode, we talk about the president's influence over Congress and the implications of having a supermajority in the lower chamber.
2: The House of Representatives, the House of the People, are partners with the Duterte administration. Lahat po na nasa legislative agenda, ubusin na natin. At ipasana natin.
1: Okay, Ted, so the 18th Congress has officially opened and the lower house has elected its officers. Everyone pretty much stuck to the script and elected Taguig Representative Alan Peter Cayetano as house speaker based on President Rodrigo Duterte's endorsement. The question, of course, is what does that mean for the independence of Congress, specifically that of the House of Representatives? And what does this all mean to what we call the checks and balances in our democracy?
2: It really doesn't look good for the president to mediate in a leadership uh, quarrel you know, as to who should be speaker because directly impacts on the perception that At least one chamber of Congress is beholden to the president's decision. Under the Constitution, each chamber is expected to select its own president according to its own rules. Now, for the Senate, because it's a continuing body, the Senate president remains to be uh, Senate President Tito Soto... Unless, for example, he is, you know, uh, deposed, as it were. But as far as the House is concerned, because it changes every every Congress, the speakership is to be resolved among the members of the House. Now, what the president did, apparently, as he announced, was to mediate in this uh, quarrel between Taguig-Representative Cayetano, uh, Catanduanes-Representative Velasco, and even later-Representative Romualdez. And... He announced the results as if it were a fait accompli, meaning, okay, here's your speaker, and he will share the term with uh, Velasco, and then uh, Romualdez will be majority leader. So that's where I think the difficulty lies, because people will say then that what happens to checks and balances, what happens to independence of at least the, the lower house or the bigger house of Congress. The Filipinos
1: are not surprised by this. In fact, Filipinos fully expect... Mm-hmm that there is an open line of communication at the very least between the executive and the legislature you look at the history of speakers post edsa and they have always been aligned with uh, with malacañang and the choices of whoever is sitting in malacañang whether that's anaquino or gloria macapagal arroyo or fidel ramos or joseph uh, estrada it's it's been going on for the mm. long time. The only difference now is that, particularly with President Duterte, let's call as
2: paid as paid, wag na time, wag mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but again, the difference is that in, for previous presidents, they officially maintained a hands-off policy. But of course, we know that they would have sent you know feelers, messages to say, this is the person I want. But he or she has never publicly announced that this is the person I want for speaker. Yes,
1: but that's precisely my point, Ted.
2: Yes. That
1: moro-moro. Mm, well, Ngayon, ang sinasabi sense. ng presidente, mm. the higher value here is, taglalin na natin yung moro-moro.
2: I mean, you could see the point there. Well, to- totoo yun, no? But again, the Constitution requires a very specific thing. The Constitution requires a a clear independence between the House, the Senate, put together, and the executive. So, Officially, as far as the Constitution is concerned, even if that were the actual reality, and the, the president, this president, has chosen to simply say, okay, I'm just putting it out that this is what is actually happening, that they've asked me to choose who the speaker is. You know, they basically told me, Akong Bahala, and Akong Ang Bahala. No? But the Constitution does not allow him to do that. So,
1: your speaker will be Alan Peter Cayetano. He shares the term with Lord Velasco and see Romaldes will be the majority for leader. I tried to distance myself from the, but apparently I said it's time that I, I talk. So, what you're saying is that yes, there is um, there is virtue in transparency, but the higher virtue here is the optics, at the very least, of propriety.
2: Well, optics of propriety and the actual institutional independence of Congress and, and the executive. Because once it comes down to you know, checking the powers of the president, you know, the president can just simply remind them, Ako now, the question of
1: independence is, is clear. The concept of wanting the independence so that we can have a, a real check and balance is also clear. But is the Constitution clear on what is supposed to happen when that independence
2: is breached by common practice such as this? Well, there has been one particular case and this was brought during the last Congress, when uh, former President uh, Gloria Arroyo became Speaker, and there was a reorganization of the House, it so happened that uh, one of her very close allies, uh, Danilo Suarez, ran and became Minority Leader. So it was questioned now by a group of well, they called themselves the the Real Independents, led by Edsel Lagman, etc. No, uh, Teddy Bagilat. And they filed suit in the Supreme Court saying, look, that destroys checks and balances. That destroys independence of the House. But what the Supreme Court said, unfortunately, was there is no grave abuse of discretion because he was elected by the so-called minority who actually were allied with the majority. And that's internal to the House. If they want it that way, we cannot come in. That's checks and balances. So ironically, the same value that we're trying to preserve is the same value that the Supreme Court used to say we cannot intervene, we cannot annul the act of the House absent grave abuse of discretion. Then, grave abuse of discretion, what exactly does that mean? Okay, grave abuse of discretion is a ground that has been given to the Supreme Court under the Constitution to void an act of any branch instrumentality or agency of government. Now, it speaks of the power of that agency, branch or instrumentality to choose between two options, both of which are legal and appropriate. And so, it, it is not a question of legality. It's not a question of tama o mali. It's a question of which is the sounder option. So, included there would be, for example, considering whether that option is more consistent with law, more consistent with practice, or more consistent with jurisprudence. If, for example, the house disregards its own rules and insist on the Speaker. So, for example, hypothetically, the House says the Speaker shall be elected by a two-thirds vote of all the members assembled. And then it says, no, majority is enough. For this person, majority is enough. We'll disregard two-thirds. If that were to happen, and if we were challenged in court, that case would probably win because they changed the rules. There's grave abuse of discretion there. But if, let's say, they didn't change the rules, they said, okay, two-thirds, whoever gets a two-thirds vote, and then... Because the president has already indicated his choice, and this person gets a two-thirds vote,
1: then that's it, right? No. Balikan natin yung sinabi mo particularly on the Suarez case. The Suarez case, as you pointed out, is relevant now, but it wasn't brought up on a question of the ultimate uh, leadership. It wasn't brought up in the context of the speakership. It was brought up specifically, trying to define what's a minority. Because as dominoes of position fall, we will get to the question of, well, maybe there's still a chance for checks and balances if we look at the independence of the minority. First of all,
2: what power does the minority leader have? Well, one, the minority leader, as with the majority leader, sits on all the committees automatically. So the minority leader can actually have an influence on how legislation is passed because that minority leader can sit on a committee and can then vote if she or he so wishes second the minority leader is able to lead interpolation of specific points of legislation so if there is a real minority then it well ensures that there is some voice no some contrary voice that can be raised if necessary, some dissent if necessary, to specific pieces of legislation which otherwise would just simply be passed without, you know, without so much as a, hey, what's going on here? That becomes important, for example, if a law is challenged. And it has happened many times, wherein minority members of Senate and Congress have gone to court and their only standing is they voted against the bill. It has been allowed by the court, for example, all the regulation. All the regulation, it was filed by Joker Arroy in the Senate, Edsel Lagman in the House. Both of them objected to all the regulation. The court allowed the the two, senator and congressman, to appear to be recognized as petitioners because they had the interest, because they said this law was railroaded, you know, we didn't We really have an opportunity to interpolate. So no guarantee that you will win, but if you're
1: the officially minority leader, you actually have standing to to trigger uh, a mechanism, for example, to take this out of the House and take
2: it to the Supreme Court. Yes, you can trigger that mechanism. You can put on record objections to the bill once the court, for example, decides to take on a case. If it goes into the deliberations, then then they will see, for example, what are the objections raised to the law? If the court agrees with it, then the court can say yes. Why majority? Why did you not consider this?
1: What you're saying is there is power in the position of the minority, which brings us to the Suarez case, particularly because it brings up the question then of wait a minute, how under our rules do we currently define who is in the minority and who can vote? And who can run for the minority leadership.
2: Well, in the Suarez case, they basically accepted the definition of the minority as those who oppose the majority in the House. So Danilo Suarez said, well, I'm part of the minority because I disagreed with, with uh, at that time, Speaker Alvarez. Okay, let's spell out the, yes. the,
1: the irony in what he said. Exactly. Because he, well, he belonged to the party-aligned with the president
2: and yes. the ruling party. The, with the ruling party at the mm. time. Yes, that is the case. And that is one of the strangest traditions that we have in our Congress, that automatically you become part of the minority even if you've aligned yourself with the majority party. So what that leads to, therefore, is
1: a scenario where the speaker will be aligned with the administration mm-hmm the majority leader, obviously, will be aligned the same way. Mm -hmm. And then even the minority leader is, in fact, still aligned with the
2: majority. Yes, so it is a supermajority within a supermajority. But
1: to be honest here, the irony and the things that people cannot grasp also extend even to the supposed legitimate opposition. Because now, even the Liberal Party headed and chaired by Vice President Lenny Robredo their allies and their representatives in the House of Representatives have officially said and they have
2: said this consistently we are part of the supermajority yes that is that is something that is you know surreal it is really almost unimaginable but again we had we had some precedent there because in the first part of the of the Duterte administration we had a member of the Liberal Party who was a deputy majority leader. And so once the, the Liberal Party, which should be the traditional opposition, you know, formally allies itself with the majority party, then it loses its essence as being the real opposition. So the question now would be, where is the real opposition now? Muli, ako po si Robbie Alampay.
1: Again, I'm Ted De. Don't forget to subscribe to Puma Podcast. Just search for us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Katrina Ventura, edited by Nico Bolante. Maraming salamat po.